Hey everyone, welcome to Librarians Assemble, your premiere, or I guess it's, you know what, we're still your premiere audio resource for all things libraries and comics. I know we've been away for a long time, but um, I got good news and I got bad news. We're back, is the good Yay. news. The bad news is, we're back. <laughs> anyway, I am Josh, and joining me as always... Angel, how you doing, people? How you doing, people? How you doing? And we're here... Uh, to celebrate Banned Books Week 2006. Because what? we read banned books. Woo! We read banned books. So for uh, anyone who doesn't know out there, uh, one, I, I doubt you don't know if you're, I doubt there are many non-library people listening to this, but if you are, that's awesome. And Banned Books Week is basically just a week-long celebration sponsored by the American Library Association that um, tries to raise awareness of frequently challenged or banned books throughout the country so they'll update their list uh, once a year and inevitably once one or two titles once a year happen to be graphic novels so the ALA the American Library Association tends to work very closely with the comic book legal defense fund the CBLDF it's just easier to say comic book legal defense fund, actually. Right? I can't, or I can't remember <laughs> the acronym. And um, so they, they tend to team up a lot because of because of that. So the comic book legal defense fund has a hell of a lot of resources if you are trying to gather information on frequently challenged graphic novels. And today, two of the books we're going to discuss come from that list. I will be discussing... Sandman Volume 1. And Angel, what will you be discussing? I will be discussing Drama, the amazing graphic novel by Raina Talmeyer. I can never pronounce it right. Tal- Talgemeyer. Talgemeyer. There we go. I believe. And so before we do that, though, I just want to quickly pull this up. I know I'm very professional and didn't have it pulled up already for some reason. <laughs> but I am trying to get the ALA list of... This year's banned books, 2016 banned books, because I want to read over that list. It's been a little bit since I looked at it. Here we go, banned and challenged. So the frequently challenged books. Here are the top ten for 2015. That was, you know, these were the ones challenged last year. So they take you know a whole year to kind of go through all the lists. So, so we have. You'll notice a trend here that many of these tend to be either young adult or aimed at younger adult books. So this year there are two graphic novels on the top 10 list. So it starts number one, Looking for Alaska by John Green. Number two is Fifty Shades of Grey by E.L. James. I Am Jazz comes in at number three by Jessica Hurdle and Jazz Jennings. Number four is Beyond Magenta. Transgender Teens Speak Out by Susan Cucklin. Number five is The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Night Time by Mark Hayden. Number six is The Holy Bible. Number seven is Fun Home by Alison Bechtel. And number eight is Hababi by Craig Thompson. And then there are two others that I'm not going to go over, but those, those are number seven and eight are graphic novels. And so what the ALA, as well as the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, will do is they'll list kind of the main reasons books are challenged. 
So for Fun Home, and we'll talk more about our specific books when we get to them. But for Fun Home, the reasons were violence and other, and then they put in parentheses graphic images. Oh my. And then the Craig Thompson book, they have reasons nudity, sexually explicit, and unsuited for age group. So I mentioned it, and I have no idea how these are going to come out. We, I've done, this is the second recording I've done about uh, banned books. So Angel and I are, are doing some reviews, and then I spoke with frequent contributor to the show, Jez, and we also mentioned this trend of unsuited for age group. So sorry if you've heard this before, but a lot of times when things are unsuited for age group, it tends to mean parents object to this being anywhere near children, even if the book was not written for children. It doesn't matter. And this happens a lot with graphic novels because we still live in a world where most people assume every graphic novel or every comic book is geared toward children. And most of us know that is 100% not true. Wildly untrue. Wildly incorrect, sir. We, um, you know, graphic novels, just like regular books, come in all shapes, sizes, and specific audiences. So that is kind of, um, for lack of a better term, I know this phrase gets thrown around a lot these days, it's kind of a dog whistle in a way when you see unsuited for age group. It tends to mean some parent is being kind of, uh, kind, of a pain in, kind of a pain in somebody's butt. Mm-hmm. But real quick before <clears throat> we get going here, Banned Books Week is is important. It's important to keep an eye on these books. You'll notice a lot of times, like, if you ever look at the most frequently challenged ones, the ones they do, like, by decade, so many of them are classic stories that we read in high school. Classic ones that shape the way kids think about the world, shape the way we think about literature and storytelling and art. You know, things like To Kill a Mockingbird... And, and others that I'm drawing a blank on right now, but like just Harry Potter. Harry Potter has been on there. Just things that we as free thinking adults and even free thinking teenagers just enjoy and love. And for me, like Catcher in the Rye, I know it's not a book I tend to like anymore, but when I was in ninth grade and read that book, I that, loved bo- it. that book got me into literature. That book got me into reading more. That book. You know, up until then, I pretty much only read comics, and that book really got me into uh, reading, like, legitimate literature, and then I went on to become uh, an English major and a librarian. So, um, yeah, challenged books are important. They make kids think. They open up them to worlds they might not see. But celebrating Banned Books Week is especially important because it raises awareness of what school librarians go through. Uh, public libraries and universities, they celebrate Banned Books Week. And yes, as in public libraries, we get our fair share of challenged material. But no one is more on the front line of having their collection scrutinized and picked on and judged, judged and outright attacked like public school media specialists and librarians and private school, too. I'm not trying to. I wasn't trying to make a judgment call there. I'm sure they, you know, frankly, I'm sure private schools have it worse. Um, 
But school librarians are constantly having to justify their collection and defend it from parents, teachers, county commissioners, school board members. I mean, they're under attack most of most of the time from all directions. And a lot of the times they don't have the support they need because a lot of the school board and, and this isn't what I'm about to say is going to sound judgmental and it's not meant to. But they're under they're they're when they're come under scrutiny, the the people who they have to then report to a lot of times are elected officials or people who have to answer to the general public. And when that happens, it's sometimes hard for, for those officials to to stand up to that much pressure because their livelihoods a lot of times depend on making voters happy. And if they feel like giving in and letting a couple parents have their way, that's what they're going to do. And a lot of times when it comes to people who are the most vocal, people who are unhappy tend to be the most vocal. So the people who are making these decisions don't always get to hear the other side of the story about how little Susie read this book and she can't believe they talk about a naked man. But little Johnny read this book and he's like, you know what? I like this book. It made me want to read more. And little little Jessica read this book and she loves reading now. You know, like they don't get to hear all the good stories because oftentimes at events like hearings like this, you know, the, you know, the bad kind of outweighs the good. So ALA does this mainly for, I know a lot of public libraries support it, but they mainly do it so that <clears throat> we are fully aware of what's happening in the public libraries. Or, I mean, in uh, school libraries. So getting that speech off the top. Um, <laughs> but before we get talking about our books, we've been away for a while. It's been a while since there's been a new show. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, things have been kind of weird and hectic and depressing. I yes. have not really cared to record anything because a couple weeks ago, we had to put uh, one of our dogs to sleep, and that was very sad for me. And I didn't give a shit about anything for a while. And then there's just been a lot of life stuff happening that's kept us from recording. Yes. But we're back. And so, uh, Angel, what you been up to, yo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have been up to um, small child growth spurts, mm. which is super fun. So is he six feet tall now or... He is over two feet tall now, which is insane to me, right? Uh, He's just about 26 inches long. Well, Chris is pretty tall, right? No, he's like 5'11". Oh, is he? But his dad's family is tall. Oh, okay. His dad is the shortest of his brothers at 6'2". So, Hmm. hopefully he's... So those are the genes he's getting. Yeah. But, I mean, he's already, from his four months, he's just five months now and at his fourth four month appointment he was uh what was it 15 pounds even or something 14 almost 15 pounds and now he's 17 and a half so he's a little monster man (laughs) yes he's a little monster so but um yeah other than that lots of lots of hectic stuff lots of changes uh yeah you got some changes coming up huh yeah i um as much as i love my job because I do. I love it. It's amazing. Um, 
my husband got a job opportunity that he can't say no to. Um, they made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Exactly. So I will now be the Bucky caretaker numero uno. Numero? Always. Uno. So I will be leaving my job. That's very sad. And uh, when you told me that and you were like, hey, if you know anyone looking for a part-time job at a comic shop, yep. let me know. I'm not going to lie. When I asked you about the schedule, that uh-huh. was because I was like, maybe I could. Do it. Can I do a part-time job? <laughs> I do need more money. I am floundering in debt. Uh, How yes. nice would it be if I just had a job that I could take that paycheck and just put it toward the debt? Right? Uh, right. But then you told me the schedule, and then I also remembered I'm really lazy. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm going to do it. I would, yeah. Like, the idea sounds fantastic until I start thinking, oh, so basically I'll never have time Because don't get me wrong. The, the schedule could be tweaked a little because no, there sure are people who work on Saturdays mm-hmm. that don't necessarily like working on mm-hmm. Saturdays. No, I hear so, you. I hear you. you I, know. I understand how that works. It, it could be done. I know. It could be. Especially because when I told Alex that I had asked you to be on the lookout, he was like, oh, well, if Josh recommends him, then that's cool because I, I trust him. All right. So what if see. I recommend myself, Alex? Then we're <laughs> I, good with that, too. I like to put forth my own name. <laughs> In the I Goblet of Fire? Yeah. <laughs> I found the spell to get around it. Yes. Um, I told Amir that you're leaving. I'm like, too bad you're not a little bit older, man. You could get a job there. Right? I know. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Once uh, she's 15, she can be an intern. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's pretty dope. Yeah. I mean, she'd get paid in Tate's bucks for a year, but... After her? that, she'd after that she'd be able to be dude. eligible for a real job. For her, dude, she would love being paid in Tate's books. Right. I, I wish know. my life worked that way. Yeah. I could pay in Tate's books. <laughs> I know. Um, I wish that that would. Yeah. Uh, here, Bank of America, I'd like to pay you in uh, Tate's books, please. Exactly. They'd be like, yeah, no, uh, you're now defaulted on your credit card completely. <laughs> Thanks for playing this game. You now have to file for bankruptcy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. Anything else going on? Um, A lot of unfortunate friends stuff. Not my yeah. not my friends and I having unfortunate stuff. Just, yeah, just sadness in friends' lives. A lot of sadness going on around here. You always want to have... I luckily have now a baby to offer up as baby cuddles. That's good. Which works well. I unfortunately had a friend of mine who had to have her dog put down as well. And so, and then lots of other dramatics of family illnesses and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, yeah, lots so, of hugs this month. I know. It's been a, it's been an awful September, man. A coworker of mine just today, uh, her mother passed away suddenly and, and then like all that very real close stuff. And then. Not, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm belittling anything, but as a sports fan and as somebody yes. in South Florida, we've recently lost just a vital member of our team and our community and Jose Fernandez. And I'm not going to lie, man, I, I, I had to fight back a lot of tears since Sunday. I had to fight back a lot of tears on that, uh, on that Monday night game. Oh, and then, I didn't even bother fighting them off. Oh, Christina, I mean, she was just, she was balling, and she couldn't. I mean, it was just, it's just too much to think about. 
I mean, that kid was just, just a, just the greatest man. That kid was so good. I mean, did you see the Dan Levitard when they he was doing an interview with somebody and Dan Levitard just started crying in the middle of it. He couldn't do it anymore. Oh. You know, like it's just, it's not right, man. And this no. past weekend, sorry if I sound really tired. I realized when I was going to uh, when I was getting right, when I was logging on here to to do our recording. This past weekend was our local comic book convention, PalmCon. What? And yeah, PalmCon's fantastic. I, what everything I'm about to say right now is nothing to do with PalmCon and everything to do with my job. Um, <laughs> so every year, my library I organize my library system having a booth there. This year, I'm the president of our local library association, and one of our board members said, "Why don't we go as an association there too?" So I organized two booths. And then I also agreed to do two presentations at BombCon. And then there was some uh, some staffing issues at, at our booth. So I've pre- I pretty much lived at BombCon pretty much all day Saturday and definitely all day Sunday. And a lot of that I wasn't getting paid for. Oh, no. So I feel it was one of those things where, like, I was telling my friend when we were setting up Friday... I was like, it's, I'm literally looking forward to Monday. <laughs> Monday means this is over. I don't have to worry about all of the like staffing issues and this, that, and the other. And I can actually focus on my real job. Yeah. And now I'm like, God, I, I can't wait for Saturday, man. Like, I'm so, I'm so ready for like an actual day off. So sorry if I sound like I'm drifting away. I've been told recently that I have a lot of long long gazing and long staring going on where I'll just kind of <laughs> stare off into space and somebody's like, hey, you still there, man? So I assure you I'm still here. But uh, yeah, that's what's going on here. Uh, so this is, let's go ahead and say this is part one of our Band Books Week special. So this should be hitting your ears on Thursday, September 29th. On Friday, September 30th, we'll have part two up. That one will be the one that features Jez talking about her recent personal experience dealing with challenged materials in a library. And then uh, that'll be it. That'll be two episodes this week, kind of making up for the fact that we've been gone for a bit. We're already at 21 minutes right now anyway, so I'm not going to try to combine those two episodes into one three-hour podcast. So, yeah. All right. Do you have anything else you'd like to say before we get talking about the books we've gathered forth? To talk about? Uh, I can't wait for October. <laughs> Halloween is my. It's your jam. My first favorite holiday. It's my, my second f- favorite is Thanksgiving. It's my first love. Is oh, I know this is like my f- like this is the best stretch of the year, man. Oh yeah. Like totally. uh, once October rolls around, we got that Halloween business coming up. So far, I have two costumes for Bucky, oh, and I'm gonna have to like figure out where he's gonna wear which one. So, right on, man. Right on. I have I have the obvious Winter Soldier costume. I would I I didn't ask. I assumed which is adorable. Sorry. Does he have a little metal arm too? I put um, silver lame fabric on the arm of a black shirt. Love it. So it's like super tight and has. The lines and the mm-hmm. red star on it. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> and then uh, I'm making a foam core mask attached to a pacifier. 
Oh, shit. So they'll <laughs> so have a mask. Dude, that is, that is phenomenal. That, no, that's not. That's phenomenal. I love it. And then I also have a Dobby outfit. Oh, my God. Because it gets better. I can't, I can't not have a Harry Potter outfit, but he's too big to be a Mandrake at this point. So... I made him oh a Dobby god. outfit. Oh my god, that's so fantastic. And hopefully one time soon I'll have a small, small child at Halloween and can have a mandrake. Dude, then... I can't even tell you how much I just want to hang out with this kid all day on the 31st <laughs> for his costume changes. Right? Oh what? my god, wait till I tell Christina, dude, she's going to flip Facebook her lid. Facebook is going to be flooded with Bucky Dude, Christina pictures. is going to flip her lid over Dobby. She loves Dobby so much. He's my favorite. Oh, she loves Dobbs. The Dobster. Well, and he'll be lucky if he doesn't end up with a third costume. So. Well. Because well, I'm tempted to figure out how to make a Kermit the Frog costume. Oh my God, that's for and me. I love the Muppets. Oh my God, Chris this is the best. Is a huge Kermit fan. Oh, dope, dope, dope. <laughs> my favorite is uh, Fonzie, Fozzie. Uh, yes. Fozzie Bear is my faves, and uh, forgot the other one. I really like I'm right a now. Sweet Blink. Chef fan. Oh, bork, bork, bork. Yep. Yeah, they're all they're phenomenal, man. I love the Muppets. Not a big fan of that show they tried to put on uh, ABC recently about the Muppets. No, that was no no bueno. I didn't I I didn't I didn't bite I didn't bite at that bait, but uh. I watched the first two episodes and then I was done. I was like, this isn't for me, man. I don't like it. So yeah, we got Halloweeny coming up. We got freaking Thanksgiving. We got Christmas and and Chanukah coming up. We got all the jams happening. My mom's birthday, Christina's birthday is in the stretch too. Your birthday, yep. Maya's birthday. We got birthdays all over the place, man. My best friend's having her baby in November. Damn, bro. We, you know what? We're turning that corner, man. We're turning that corner. We're gonna finish 2016 on an upswing. I hope so, <laughs> man. I hope so. Oh. Speaking of ending on a up, no, we have a. I'm looking at the calendar right now. I've I've taken. This is how depressing my life has become. I've taken to putting when f- fun stuff is coming on Netflix on my calendar. Yes, Luke Cage. Luke, Luke Cage. Cage is this weekend. Let me tell you what's on my calendar. Uh, Friday, September thirtieth. It says Luke Cage with one, two, three, four exclamation marks after it. <laughs> yup. So I might be a little excited for that. Chris and I already have a plan. Saturday morning or Friday night when he's done with work, we're going to go immediately to Publix and get um, picnic-type stuff. I have a picnic. Put a giant blanket on top of our bed and have a Netflix and picnic with Luke Cage all day Saturday. Love it. So Love it. Bucky, you're on your own. You know how to feed yourself. <laughs> no, we're just- we're gonna set up his bouncer in the corner of the room. No, That's no, no. His favorite thing lately. Just make him. You know, yeah. you got it. These kids gotta learn to take care of themselves eventually. Exactly. That's our problem in society right now. We <laughs> coddle our kids too long. Uh, okay, so before we get talking about the books, I do want to mention every. If I can get the site to load, geez. Uh, so the comic book legal defense fund. They yes. have a list of probably the historically most challenged graphic novels. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read a few of these. There's quite a bunch on here, but I'm going to read some of the like really popular ones real quick. Okay. So we got Amazing Spider-Man Revelations by 
J. Michael, and I always butcher it, Stranansky, Jean Ramada Jr., and Scott Hanna, you know, one of the best Spider-Man runs. So this challenge, the key challenge for this one, the one that kind of got the most attention, was at a middle school library in Nebraska, and reason challenge was sexual overtones. And what I like is they kind of take a they take a minute to explain the 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 nature of the challenge. So this one says the parent of a six year old who checked out the book filed a complaint and took the story to the media. The parent also withheld the book for the duration of the review process rather than returning it per library policy. I hope they got the biggest fine ever. I know, right? There's more to that. I'm not going to click on it to to go into it. One of the other one of the others on this list is Barefoot Jen by I'm not even gonna try to pronounce the name. Everyone Kenji Nakasawa. There it is. So the location for this key challenge was obviously in Japan. Reason's challenge was violence and discrimination. Keiji Nakazawa's internationally renowned manga Barefoot Jen, which depicts wartime atrocities from the perspective of a seven-year-old protagonist, has fallen victim to several challenges in its home country of Japan. So even in, so even in other countries, they have to deal with stuff like this as well. Probably one. Of, these next two are probably not surprises to anyone. Batman: The Dark Knight Strikes <laughs> Again by Frank Miller, and Batman: The Killing Joke by Alan Moore. Uh, I do not know why. (laughs) Both of these, yeah. Both of these found... Oh, no. Sorry. Batman Dark Knight Strikes Again was challenged. Its main challenge came from a school district. However, The Killing Joke was challenged at the Columbus Public Library in Nebraska. And the reason challenge was it advocates rape and violence. And I think advocate's probably a strong word, but you can't really yeah. argue with where they're going there. But again, it's a public library, and they wanted it removed from the collection. However, probably the best way to handle that is just move it to the adult section. Make exactly. sure it's not in the children area. So speaking of children, one of the other books on this series is one that Christina and I discussed last year for Band Book, which is Bone by Jeff Smith. They the reason for this one being challenged was promotion of smoking and drinking. That's right. <laughs> I'm not even gonna bother talking about that. We have Dragon Ball Z making the list because of violence and nudity. And yours drama, so we'll cover that in a minute. Fun Home, we've already talked about Fun Home being on there. Let's see. Mouse by Art Spiegelman. Was Which to me is ridiculous. Yep. Because I'm sorry. It says it was anti-ethnic and unsuited for age group. Nick Smith of the Pasadena Public Library describes the challenge as being made by a Polish-American who is very proud of his heritage and who had made other suggestions about adding books on Polish history. The thing is, Mouse made him uncomfortable, so he didn't want other people to read it. That is censorship as opposed to parental guidance. It's supposed to make you uncomfortable. Kind of. We have the Saga series making the list. Um, It kind of confuses me on this one. It says location of challenge Apple iOS and then Oregon. I think there might be. I think there might have been an issue there. Could be some kind of typo. 
But anyways, sexual content, anti-family, nudity, offensive language, and here's our, our dog whistle for the day, unsuited for age group. Yay. Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples' sci-fi epic adventure saga has not only become one of the best one of the best-selling and most critically acclaimed comic series since its a- debut, but has also become one of the most controversial comics. So, there we have that, and I think that's where I'll stop because most of the rest are, you know, we have Watchmen obviously on the list. Why the Last Man? In the Night Kitchen. Did I miss that one? Yep. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we have... Uh... Which is sad, because I read that book to Bucky at night. Oh, really? That's <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite books when I was a oh, kid. Oh, there it is, yeah, In the Night Kitchen. So, yeah, we have some strange choices on this list. And the thing is, there, it's not all too surprising when you think about it, but it's important to remember that one of the key tenets of librarianship is every book is reader and every reader their book or actually it started as saying his but every reader their book every book it's reader so just because somebody doesn't like a book doesn't mean it should be taken off the shelf and kept away from everyone no okay so with that out of the way angel would you like to go first in discussing drama sure so drama uh i will go over why the reason why it was challenged was for quote-unquote sexual content, um, which I think is mainly because of the inclusion of two gay characters. And I think it also falls under the dog whistle of not appropriate for its age group. See, and for this one, for me it feels less like a dog whistle on this one because drama is suited for its age group. It is. It is meant for... You find out a readers. lot about yourself in middle school. Yeah, it's it's you geared, know? it's written about middle schoolers. It's for middle schoolers. For middle schoolers. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. The reason it says sexual content is because there are two homosexual characters. Yep. And um, I was about to tell you this off the air, but I'll just quickly bring it up because it seems like a good time right now. Voices of Youth Advocates or Voya is a journal that reviews specifically young adult and juvenile books to help librarians better make better informed decision about their collection. Recently, they've come under a lot of controversy because, and forgive me, I'm tired, I can't remember the name of the book, but they reviewed a, a certain book in the midst of a banned book week and said that it, it, uh, it t- contains strong sec- a sexual nature and you know not that they shouldn't not that somebody shouldn't own it but keep in mind that it's got a sexual tone to it and that there's something of for mature it's sexual content for mature readers only like mature teenagers however the reason they were saying that specifically is because the main character is a lesbian not because uh-huh. there's overt sexuality in the book or that the book itself had a lot of gratuitous sex scenes, but the fact that the the protagonist openly admits to being a lesbian thus made them feel the need to put that disclaimer. That's so, so Voya has come over under a lot of shit recently from the internet, and they've handled it just disastrously, though. Like, 
they did not handle it very well at first. They just kind of got defensive and started yelling back at people. So, oh, no. So that was so this kind of goes hand in hand with that. So tell us more about your research into drama. All righty. Tell us more about the drama with drama. The drama with drama. Um, well, it is written by Raina, and I always pronounce it wrong. Talmire. Talmire. Um, the basics are published in September 2012, um, and it's aimed at middle schoolers. Um, and it's kind of, it dwells on the relationships and kind of learning about yourself that happen in middle school. It's about Callie. Uh, she's the main protagonist. She joins drama club and starts creating like the backdrops for the plays and meets twins, Jesse and Justin. And she has a slight crush on Justin Mm. till Justin tells her that he likes boys. And she has the best response that you, I think you can have when your friend comes out to you, which is she hugs him and says, that's great. You know, you mean she didn't just banish him and tell him that he's a a terrible nope. person? Hmm. Nope. Which I think, I mean, if the world could have a little more nice people in it, we'd, we'd all be a little bit better off. Is love, sweet love. <laughs> yes. But um, the reason, as you said, it came under fire was uh, they call it sexual content mm-hmm. because. Uh, Justin saves the day when um, one of the talent on stage is sick Mm -hmm. and he has to have a kissing scene with another boy. And isn't he dressed like a girl too? And he's dressed as a girl. Yeah. 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 But to me, that's not a big deal. No, it's also And it's Shakespearean times dressed in women as women for the plays all the time. Yep. So, but that is it. that is the one people. Yeah, that is the one thing that that causes it to happen. So, oh. yeah, and drama is a fantastic book, and I mean, it's I, a great read. I read it for the first time last year. Mm-hmm. Christina and I read it, and I think we talked about it last year on the podcast as well. Um, but yeah, it's it made me feel better, and I was a thirty-one-year-old man reading it, <laughs> so like. I can't even imagine how it made made like teenagers and young young teenagers feel who might have felt like different or confused exactly. or anything you know like if I was in middle school and had had you know I was in theater you in know, middle school sexual issues or whatever mm-hmm. and not sure where I stood if I had read this book in middle school if I had had any questions about myself it would have made me feel really awesome and in fact, if I had read this with being who I am, I would have still felt really awesome because I was the drama geek. Yeah, I was and a this drama makes geek you too. feel cool about being a drama geek. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was. I am a heterosexual white man, and this book made me feel better too. You know, like yeah, it made me feel good. Not just because I'm like, oh, I can relate to these characters because you know, as as a person with empathy, I can find something to relate in. In any character, they don't have to be a heterosexual white man for me to be able to relate to them. Exactly. But it also made me feel good because this book does represent other people other than heterosexual white men. So yes. it was nice to see that. And um, 
we're kind of doing pretty good on time. Uh, you recently said you read Raina Talmeyer's latest book. Do you want to talk a little bit about that one? Yay! I would love to. Okay. Ghosts is her latest book. And I literally read it the day it came out because <laughs> I love her. Um, it is about a family uh, with two daughters. And the youngest one has cystic fibrosis, which is a disease in your lungs that... From what I understand, it causes your lungs to harden and get phlegmy, so it makes it really hard to breathe. Mm -hmm. um, and there's no cure for it. There's only transplants. You can be on a list and get a lung transplant. So, But anyway, they move from their nice, sunny California home to northern California where it rains a lot and is very overcast because that is the moisture in the air is easier on cystic fibrosis lungs. Hmm. Um, and then when they move to the town, they find a huge history of the town uh, with Dia de los Muertos, which is the Day of the Dead, uh, which is a huge thing in Mexican culture, which is my dad's culture. And so as soon as I saw that, I got super excited because I didn't even bother to read the back of the book <laughs> and I hadn't wanted to read spoilers. So I had stayed away from it. So as soon as I saw that, <laughs> my husband looks at me cause I squealed out loud <laughs> at day of the dead. So, um, the, the oldest daughter is slightly hesitant about it because she doesn't really know about the culture so she seems to think that the ghosts are there to harm you or to bring you to the spirit world and mm. she's afraid to lose her sister which is valid uh, but they have a local kid who introduces them and tries to teach them about the culture and it's fun on my perspective because he brings over tamales and like all kinds of tra traditional uh, foods and he shows them uh, the altar that they build for their relatives and it talks about the importance of uh, chrysanthemums and it's it's really it's really cool to me it's wonderful because I love seeing books about my culture that I can then show my kid eventually mm -hmm. uh, it's like when um do you remember the movie Book of Life? Yes. You know what, though? I haven't seen it yet. <gasps> oh. I want to. Your, your homework is to watch that movie. Yes, ma'am. You have to watch that movie. Because when I saw that movie, I literally had to watch it twice because I cried through the first <laughs> round. Because if Day of the Dead had been explained to me that way mm -hmm. when I was little, it would not have taken me as long to embrace it. I didn't really get it i just knew we had this altar in our house for people i'd never met and so, i knew we made food that we didn't eat that went on this altar wait so like you you're telling me that ugh, day to day it's not just like mexican halloween no i thought it was just like trick-or-treating man <laughs> no, I'm just, no it's, I'm just it's the day people. that the spirits are as close as possible to us yeah. and if you the can i mean the can I tell you something angel I yes. mean, I want you to keep doing, talking because there probably are listeners who don't really know much, but I I grew up down here. I know what it is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, cool. Keep talking. I just didn't want you to think that I was being serious about Mexican Halloween. Dude, I know when you're sarcastic. Okay, cool. 
But no, I just it's exciting. And it's it one is. of those things you get to see it's, it's your culture. Pretty, it's a pretty tradition too, you know, like Oh, it's gorgeous. It's so it's gorgeous. Bit, it's so bittersweet. Like, it is. The the meaning behind it's bittersweet. The the aesthetics of it though are just gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, I I like it. It's great. Well, and it's one of those things that like again, not to be morbid, but growing up my dad, we always had the altar, we always had, mm-hmm. you know, um, pictures of family members and mm-hmm. so it meant a lot to me when he passed away and when my mom passed away to ha- add them to the altar mm-hmm. so I now have you know their pictures and my grandfather and my, my uncle on my dad's side and so it's it's a it's a nice tradition to have you know and mm-hmm. that's the day that especially if you haven't maybe talked about like if you're um, I know I hadn't really known my grandfather on my dad's side that much. Mm-hmm. And so every year around November, we would start to talk a lot more about him because my dad would get the pictures and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's going to be a nice tradition to pass on to Bucky to be able to tell him about my parents and stuff like that. So anyway, awesome. ghosts opened all that up for me and it was awesome. And I loved it. And was so excited that I bought it the first day <laughs> that it came out. So I highly recommend it. Everybody should go read Ghosts. Do not fret. It's doing pretty well for itself. <laughs> yes. Anytime Raina Talemeyer has a book coming out, you can guarantee it's going to do pretty well for itself. Which makes me so happy. Do you know, at, at, I'm sure I haven't looked at it this since the book has been out, but pretty much every one of her like her books is on the New York Times bestseller list for graphic novels. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like whenever they do like the top ten, Smile is always there. Drama yeah. is always there. Um, her Babysitter's Club book is there mm-hmm. a lot, and I'm sure Ghost is there right now, too. So, like, half the list, ten, half the top ten at any given moment is just Ray and Talamire books. That's amazing. Yeah, she's by far the biggest star in, in graphic like literature right now so yay right on man i love right now she was so i think i've told this story a million times she was so ridiculously sweet to amira when she met her at um the miami book fair a couple years ago yeah did i tell you about that yes yeah she like she's so happy she went cosplayed as rana talamire's character and smile and everything and rana talamire she's adorable i know oh it was so good and then she like took a picture with her, put it up on her Twitter, got like made a big thing about it at one of her little like at her signing. Oh, it was I couldn't have been happier. Mira and, and her little friend were just over the moon. So she she legitimately cares about kids, you know, like you can see it in her face, you can see it in her writings, you can see it in her social media posts that she legitimately cares about her audience and she knows damn well who her audience is. Yeah. So mad love to Rana Talmeyer. Yay. Okay. So I am here to discuss Sandman volume uno preludes, preludes and nocturne. Um, it has been, how old am I now? It has been probably 10 years, 15 years since I've read Sandman, the collection, like the whole the whole series, yeah. So I remember it fondly. 
But I also remember it was one of those series that, like, really got me back into comics as a teenager. Uh, you know, I grew up reading them, but then, like, kind of stopped for a little bit in, like, my my late, you know, my, my early and mid-teens. And then by, like, 17, 16, 17, 18, I had gotten back into it a lot. And it was one of those series that really, really, like, just sucked me in. And I was like, wow, this is a freaking this is a hell of a story. And um, so as I mentioned at the top of the show, we uh, we had to put our dog to sleep. And my animals all my life have very much been a part of my family. <laughs> so yeah. like my cat, Nora, who has made numerous appearances on the show, just in the background, scratching at doors, rubbing her face against microphones um you know she's she's very much one of my heart and soul she's gone with me everywhere over the past 10 years and just a phenomenal cat our dogs come from my my wife she she had the dogs before we got together but i love those dogs with all of my heart as well and i take care of them all the time and they're always around i mean i so much of my life revolves around taking care of those dogs and i was just very very devastated when we had to put Sasha to sleep and it was one of those things where like for some reason I was kind of flipping around some of the ma- some of the comics that I own and I really wanted to read Sandman again it was something that was like you know it, I remember feeling very peaceful when I read this before I know a lot of people have anxiety when they read it because of how like crazy and weird the story is but like something about the story relaxes me and i really enjoy the story i love the art i love just the stories behind the stories and all the mythology in it and so i started reading it again kind of forgetting that there was a band books week coming up or that there was a podcast coming up and so it you know it was one of those things i was doing to just cope and i tell that story mainly because i'm killing time but also because um (laughs) That's what, you know, just because a book is banned or deemed inappropriate, I mean, one of the reasons for the Sandman being challenged is anti-family themes, offensive language, like just being like dark and depressing. And for me, in one of my most depressed states in quite some time, you know, unfortunately over the past several years, I've lost several, a couple family members and now another family member frankly who's i was i saw every damn day (laughs) so it was you know anti-family to me sandman is all about family i don't really know why it's anti-family it's all about dysfunctional family working together (laughs) having to find some kind of balance in their lives and it it just brought me it it just uh, allowed me some escapism that i needed so with sandman The story of Sandman, for those who may not know, it's about the main character whose name is Dream, or the Sandman. He gets, um, he gets imprisoned for about 70 years by an occultist, a Satanist, whatever, a black magic lover. This cult is trying to capture death, the embodiment of death, but they end up summoning Dream instead. And so they hold him hostage for over 70 years. And they take away some of his main 
powers. He has a, he has several little items that are his that his power resides in. So finally, after seventy years, he finds he he sees his moment and he escapes. And then most of Volume One is basically kind of like a hero's journey, kind of a a a road trip type story where Dream has to go through all these different dimensions. I mean, he literally goes to hell. He goes through different dimensions to try to reclaim his power and those items that once belonged to him. So he, you know, he encounters the devil. He encounters his sister, who is death, who is the embodiment of death, the one that they were actually after in the first place. He encounters John Constantine at one point, too, which is fun. And um, it tells the story of how important dreams are to the world. There are many characters who, when Dream was in prison, just had terrible lives because they were stuck in their dreams or they couldn't fall asleep or a lot of things. His he brought balance to to the universe. He had a role to play and he couldn't he couldn't do that. So a lot of the a lot of the uh, challenges for this book keep saying unsuited for age group, and that is true. This is not a book for kids. I would not tell. Amira to read this book right now, you know, like it is not a book for young children. It is a book that should be in the adult section or even young adult section of any library. Let me find here. Here we go. So some of the things that have come up with it have also been addressed by Neil Gaiman, who is the author of Sandman, the Sandman series which is a collection of was it seven nine i can't even remember how many volumes are in that thing now but um i want to say nine i think it's nine so and then he just had a new one recently so he neil for anyone who doesn't know neil gaiman is a huge huge supporter of uh of libraries mm-hmm. has always been and so he kind of wrote an open letter in 2003 on his on his blog about this. So I'm going to take a second to read that. And in response to him being finding out that the book was being challenged and was considered unsuitable for teens by many libraries, he wrote, I suspect that having a reputation as adult material that's unsuitable for teens will probably do more to get teens to read Sandman than having the books ready and waiting on the YA shelves would ever do. I'm perfectly happy for Sandman to be on adult shelves, and if they aren't on any shelves due to fearful or unbudgeted librarians, underbudgeted librarians, there's always an interlibrary loan. So uh, he he hits the nail on the head. A lot of times when these books, people ch- challenge these books, and little do they know that they're just making them more appealing to kids when kids find out there's a book they can't read what are they going to do do is read it they're going to read that book so a little more about this it says in addition to writing sandman gaiman is the author of children's books young adult novels and bestsellers for adults even with work such as sandman being challenged gaiman has always seen libraries as a positive entity for learning and librarians as facilitators he also wrote, I wouldn't be who I am without libraries. I was the sort of kid who devoured books, and my happiest times as a boy were 
when I pursued my when I pursued my parents to drop me off persuaded sorry when I persuaded my parents to drop me off in the local library on their way to work and I spent the day there I discovered that librarians actually want to help you they taught me about interlibrary loans he's obsessed with interlibrary loans so <laughs> for those who may not know interlibrary loans an interlibrary loan is a service that many public libraries and universities offer and what it does is it allows us to get material for our for our patrons that we don't own so if like he said if you go into your library and for some reason they do not they do not have sandman on their shelves they can borrow it from a different library to then lend to you so that you can read it so just because your library doesn't own something doesn't mean they can't borrow it to to give to you so if you are listening to this and you're a library user and not a librarian, make sure you inquire about interlibrary loans at your library. And I think that might be all I have to say about Sandman. I mean, it's it's a classic tale. There are very few people who don't know about Sandman. It's, it's a very worthwhile read. It's an incredibly worthwhile read. It's daunting. There are many, many volumes yes. to it. And... They're not easy reads in the sense that um, it, they deal with a lot of heavy subjects. And if you're the kind of reader who likes to fill in gaps for things, you might find yourself doing a lot of side research about certain characters or certain mythologies that, that they, he is le- or he's borrowing from. So I know for me, when I first read it, I didn't care as much. Like I just read it as a story. And then I would like go later and kind of read more about the series and kind of fill in all the the backstories for everything. But you know, as I'm reading it now, it's it's crazy because this is one of the few books I, I'm reading again that I read as a as a teenager or, or young adult. That I'm like, oh wow, I, I like this even more than I did before, because I'm older, I have more experience in life, and also I I know more things in life than I did. You know, I have more. I can make more references. I know more about other liter, you know, literature from around the world. So like things make more sense to me now than they did when I read it <laughs> as a as a teenager. So yes, it's it's definitely a fantastic book and one that most libraries already do own. But for some reason, if you're missing, even my tiny little library over here in Jensen Beach has it. Yeah. So it. it it's another one that like will go missing a lot too because of how popular it is, but it's important to keep keep it on your shelves. I know I um I think in a, an earlier episode, I forget who it was with, I apologize. Um we talked about what what comics, what graphic novels we would build our collection around. And Sandman is definitely one that I would say is absolutely needed. To if you're gonna build even a small graphic novel collection, you need the Sandman series in that collection. Otherwise, to me, you don't you do not have a, a complete a complete graphic novel collection. So, so that's all we really have. Band Books Week is uh is going strong. Band Books Week lasts from I think it's what is it September twenty fifth until. October 1st, I believe, is the end of Band Books Week. Oh, I have a Uh, stern child. uh (laughs) Uh-oh. As good a place of any to say. Yes. Have a good evening, all. 
and we will talk to you again in a few weeks yes bye everybody bye bye